Morning, team. Nice to be company. Welcome along to Wednesday morning in London town. We are live. Live as we can be. Of course, we had to faff around at the beginning. So if you were watching on the webcam, what can I tell you? Unfortunately, it's the, the mouse on this computer didn't operate this computer very well, so we've dragged the mouse over from the other one. <laughs> it's going to be so confusing this later on. So I'm now... Oh, no, wait a minute. No, it's, now, who's doing that? Who's doing that? Is that you? Well, don't do it. You can't sign on. It's me. I know, but I'm... Leave it. You're frightening me now. God, blimey. Well, don't. D- look. Look, this thing. Where have these come from? Yeah, but all these were yesterday's. We read all of yesterday's. Oh, it's all very worrying, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not sure I can cope with this this morning. I don't... Well, it doesn't happen like this every day. It really does. It's ridiculous, honestly. Anyway, hello. Hello. There we go on the webcam, lbc.co.uk. Yesterday, record numbers of people uh, tuned in to the webcam. And I thought, if I move seats and I sit here, then you, you can see a bit better. It means that it's going to be quite easy for our newspaper reviewer today who are going to be sitting the other side of the desk, now that Anthony's moved all the microphones round. We're now going to sort out, because the uh, new editor of this morning, the man who controls Holly and Philip, and was the uh, editor, executive producer of Loose Women, Carl Newton is coming in. You know Carl, he's been on LBC before, and he'll be joining us uh, about six o'clock to have a look through the morning papers. It's all Jordan, Jordan, Jordan. Has she lost it? Is her empire collapsing? Uh, what else? We're still looking for the, that uh, female killer, friend of the Duchess of York, who uh, escaped from prison the other day. They reckon with £100,000, because she's renting out a property. Uh, plus the horrific moment when another person, don't ask me why, but people who, um, who are mentally ill, for some reason, are strangely drawn to animals. This one made a big mistake. We had it at London Zoo, where somebody, if you remember, climbed into the tiger pit... I think it was in London Zoo or something like that. Anyway, whatever happened was, the tigers sat there in bemusement looking at this person who wanted to come and pat them. And so they sort of sat there. Then they moved a bit closer. And I think it might have been with the, um, with the lions. Anyway, then one of the lions got a bit closer and this man tried to, tried to pat it. And that's where the lion decided he was having none of it. This bloke climbs in, in Switzerland, into a pit. And unfortunately, there was a bear in there, and the bear mauled him, dragged him from one side to the other. I mean, this bloke thought he was climbing in for a picnic, I ask you. Nobody climbs in for a picnic. So there's pictures on the front. Somebody captured it on film as this man's being dragged. And, and it, the, the sad thing is, they've shot the bear. And the bear is now in a, in a coma. The bear was only doing, you know, why should... I mean, where is the care in the community for these people? You can't just do climbing into a bear pit and wonder why the, uh, the bear attacks you. So, of course, in, in order to get the bear to let go of the man, they had to shoot it. It's a bit shame. Bit of a shame. Anyway, uh, 84850, uk. So you can see it's much better this morning. Much better. Actually, if I do that... Where did that come from? Bad enough looking at the producer of poor old Anthony, who's uh, put on a lot of weight. And uh, I'm looking at me thinking, wait a minute, is that a bulge in the shirt? How can, how can we disguise that? I think we would just... God, bloody looks... It's even worse. The scarf kind of works. But it doesn't work here. I'm looking a little bit like Paddington Bear's mother, Great Aunt Lucy, from the retired home for bears in Lima. It's not quite working at the moment. And also, the cameras add pounds, as you know. So, uh, so we'll take all your texts and emails. Very kind, the producer's left me an apple. It's quite clearly poisoned. Quite clearly. It's the sort of thing he... Le- he said to me, he said, would you like an apple? So he sort of said, you know, a bit like being teacher's pet. 
So he's given me this apple. Now, I can see from here that there are puncture marks in it. So I know there'll be something in there that will probably make me funny and witty and energetic between now and seven. So I'm deliberately not going to eat it. I'm de- I offered him a piece of stolen. So I bought some stolen the other day. And seeing as how he uh, obviously enjoys the fuller figure... I thought we might as well add to it, but he wouldn't eat it. Instead, he said, no, I'm just eating fruit. He said, by the time you see me on Friday, he said, I'll, I'll be a lot thinner. <laughs> right. I don't think so. 84850, steve at uk or just lbc.co.uk. Uh, steve, you mentioned the other day that you couldn't find a theatre to do a show due to pantomime season, but do you think a pantomime set would be a great backdrop for you? Perhaps you could have a word with Jan at Hornchurch. They don't... Um, they don't uh, do that, I'm afraid. They don't... You can't work on a on a pantomime set because they've got two shows a day, so... And as they do that, what seems like seven days a week. Uh, shoot the bloke, not the bear. I know, you see, I don't... This poor bear was only doing what it what it does naturally. And and it, it kind of... So they've got pictures of the bear, which is, like, anaesthetised, I think, at the moment. A bit of a shame, isn't it? I think it's a shame. Wind's terrible this morning. If you're setting off, don't bother taking an umbrella... You really don't... There's no point, because it'll be inside out in about five seconds. Actually, Adrian said to me, he said, perhaps you can hold the papers up this morning to the camera. It's a bit odd doing this, isn't it? So if you hold the paper up, you go, that's that. But I have to hold it for at least ten seconds, because otherwise you... The bit's falling out the inside now. <laughs> otherwise, you, you, you can't see the stories that I'm doing. But it doesn't matter, does it? It doesn't matter. It's nice to be company anyway. I trust you well. Uh, so there's no Steve Hargrave today. He'll be here tomorrow. Steve, Friday, sorry, Steve, he'll be with us on Friday on the programme. So a quick show, oh, blimey, already loads of your uh, texts and emails coming in, which is good, we like that as well. Uh, where do the lovely Christmas lights go? I'm so glad you asked, because I, I brought them in, and there we go, so I lose everything this morning, it's just, I had to remember to bring, sorry, I had to remember to bring an umbrella in. Here are the, here are the Christmas lights, okay, there we go, so we just sort of, just decorate those, oh, crap. Maybe not. That's lovely, isn't it? That just kind of adds that, that festive... Chi- Do you know, it's amazing. When you look at them in the glass and they've reflected, it looks like there's a whole chain of them. It's only 20. But at least it's very good. I'm glad you think I look fashionable. One thing I didn't think when I got up this morning was looking fashionable, because I'm going to talk to Christopher Lloyd later on. You know, from Back to the Future, he's got a new Disney movie out called Santa's Buddies. So I was reading about him last night, and they were saying he doesn't do a lot of interviews. He's quite a private person. But I'm so much looking forward to talking to him. Because he's like Christopher Lloyd. It's Christopher Lloyd. And I think he's flying back today, so he goes back to America. He's, he's, he's been over here for some of the worst weather we've had in ages and ages. I mean, it has been absolutely dreadful. So send us your texts and your emails, and uh, we'll weave them all in for you this morning. Has Jordan's empire collapsed? According to the paper this morning, the Mirror, they're saying, yes, shoppers have snubbed her goods. I think the truth of the matter is... I think the British public have just... They just don't like her. Although, strangely enough, I turned on the television the other day only to see the ghastly uh, Jade Goody mother on the Jeremy Kyle show. And, and I was watching it thinking, was this, was this new? Was this old? I didn't, I didn't quite know if it was a new thing. And it was her because she brought on her boyfriend. Because you know that Jade Goody's mother was a lesbian. And then apparently, then she wasn't a lesbian. And now she's going out with this bloke, so they brought him on. He was a dreary plank, let me tell you. But... The interesting thing about it was she was talking about... And the more I got into it, the more I discovered this must have been filmed fairly recently because she talked about Jade's death and, uh, and how she wouldn't let go. And that, that, was, that struck a chord with me because the one thing that happens when, when people have got terminal cancer, 
It's the letting go bit. They don't let go. And the longer that... She, she said she was racked with pain and they kept saying to her, just let go. Just go. Because people don't want to go. They know that everything's shutting down and most of her body had shut down. But because she didn't let go, you can't then complete the full cycle. I know it seems really daft. Unless you've been through it, you've got no idea what I'm talking about. But I promise you, the, the nurse said to me, you can tell your mum to let go. She can hear you, but she won't be able to respond. But the last thing that goes is your hearing. And so we were saying, you know, you can let go, mum. You can let go. And it's almost like, I think, clinging on to the side of a mountain. That's the way I thought of it anyway. Probably completely wrong. Clinging on to the side of a mountain. And, and somebody said, listen, just let go. Or, or swimming. And you know that you're not going to get out of it. And they say, listen, you can't hold your breath any longer. Just breathe. Once you breathe, that will be it. You breathe in the water and it fills your lungs up. And I think the same with, with cancer. It's a case of you, know, you get to the end. But she clung on. She said, two weeks she clung on. The nurse kept saying, it's going to be now, it's going to be now, it's going to be now. So they'd all go rushing into the bedroom. She said, and then she'd, she'd still be clinging on. She said, so eventually it went. So that, that was the relief. The relief was, was that part of the process. So I, I, I found that quite interesting, actually. Uh, a lot of you. Uh, Lynn says, enjoyed you on the webcam. Was Mr Ferrari aware that we saw the changeover? Mm, no, no, I don't think. We're not, we're not telling him about the changeover. <laughs> Uh, Terry says, truth is, Peter Andre only resurrected his career because of Jordan. Seems like Jordan now realises what a fool she's been by dating Mummy's boy. Um, well, both of them had, had no career at the time. I remember distinctly that uh, Peter Andre's career was on the skids. That's, that's why you go on to I'm a Celebrity. You only go on there to get a bit of money and to try and resurrect a career that's finished. Uh, Jordan's was going nowhere, so it was good for both of them. And I suppose in the end, he saw her for exactly what she was, shameless, publicity-hungry, couldn't settle down if her life depended on it. If somebody said to her, right, I said, no more going out, no more in front of the cameras, no more doing this, no more doing that, uh, then it would be a case of, uh, she'd say, no, I, I can't do that. Go on, run, run. <laughs> now the camera's in a different position. <laughs> Not so easy. Um, I forgot where I was going, actually, now. Oh, yes, so anyway, so uh, that's why I think it would be difficult for Jordan... To, to give up the business. She can't because she's lived her whole life in front of the cameras. She thinks she's a princess, but she's, she's looking a bit desperate. But I bet you anything, Carl Newton will tell you this morning that if she comes back, they'll be bidding to get her on this morning. In the same way that they, they wanted Jedward on there, although I'm sure we've got stories from behind the scenes on Jedward, who were on the front of one of the other papers today, because apparently Disney have been after them. And it, to do what? I've got no idea. They don't have any discernible talent. They're just an image. But there again, the cheeky girls had no talent, did they? Chico's got no talent. They're just sort of life's, life's idiots who turn up. We'll go, oh, you're very funny. The cheeky girls turned on some Christmas lights the other day. I'd have rather they were plugged in, but it's just me being caring, I suppose. Uh, so we'll have the news headlines. Um, what else do we have? Oh, we must look at the sun this morning because they've got uh, a dodgy detective who nicked money from the Madeleine McCann Fund. 300,000 quid. It's obviously not that, uh, that difficult to get money out of anybody nowadays. You just convince them you are this person. That's why there are fraudsters. That's why there are successful fraudsters over the years who've been very clever at extracting money from people like you and I. Although, as Jonathan Levi told us the other day, he got the last laugh when he managed to not only get his £10 from the people at the cash point, but uh, he managed to cancel the card so quickly they couldn't take any money out of his account. So he was £10 up on the deal. Ha, 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 ha. Well done to him. 5.15 is the time. News headlines. These are the stories you're waking up to. This morning, a ruling in the Supreme Court later could pave the way for around 8 million people to claim back unauthorised overdraft charges. 
A man's under arrest in connection with the death of his three-year-old son, who was stabbed to death in Bermondsey. And officials from the International Olympic Committee are due to start a two-day visit to London later. They'll be checking the progress that's being made ahead of the 2012 Games. Check on the uh, roads for you this morning. Out there, very blustery and things flying about all over the place. Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Yeah, pretty windy and miserable. Very wet. 97.3. We're all debating now on who we're going to get rid of in the jungle. It's a shame. The producer wanted Gino to go because he's just boring. Uh, Lucy went first time round. <laughs> Another one. And we've just got rid of, uh, of Colin. Colin, one half of Colin and Justin, otherwise known as those two old Marys on the television who are still working. So got rid of him. Uh, that's proved... I don't know why these people come out and be positive, because, to be honest with you, you've been voted out because everybody thinks you're a bore. So uh, very dreary, Colin, and very fake, I'm afraid. However, who's really cross this morning? Only the mum of cage fighter Alex Reed, the cross-dressing cage fighter Alex Reed. I mean, honestly, a cage fighter who cross-dresses. He couldn't make it up, could you? But his mummy has said that Jordan is cruel, which, of course, she's quite right, and I'm ashamed, ashamed to tell you that we've been telling you this for ages, but uh, poor soul's only just realised, the cruel way she dumped her precious son. Because you know that little, little Alex, cross-dressing Alex, lives at home with, with mummy, and uh, I suppose he can keep his girly outfits in one wardrobe and then his butcher outfits for the cage fighting stuff. Oh, I tell you, we got an email from. Oh, I knew there was something I was going to mention to you. Do you remember the guy on, um, the guy on Mastermind who got the lowest score? And, um, and then it turned out that one of my listeners, Julietta, Colin, Colin somebody, isn't it? Colin somebody. Um, and then one of my listeners, Julietta, says, we actually, um... We, we do quizzes with him. He's actually quite good. He's written to me. Colin Kidd has written. He said, some friends uh, tell me you've been talking about me along the lines of, I must be thick for getting the lowest ever score on Mastermind. I just merely reported, Colin, in the papers that you did have the lowest score and you've gone into the Guinness Book of Records as having one of the lowest scores on Mastermind. And I did question the fact, so hopefully your friends will report back, you know, correctly. I did actually question how you ever got on there in the first place. You might be very, very intelligent, but you, you came over thicker than um, David Lammy, and he was pretty dumb, but he says, uh, would you believe I've improved so much that last season I joined the highly prestigious Quiz League of London and got highest individual batting average? Yeah, you see, but that's great, but it doesn't interest me in the slightest. I'm not, I'm, I'm, it might be absolutely fantastic for you. I'm more interested in how you got onto Mastermind, because you didn't seem to know the answers to any of the questions that you were asked on your chosen subject. So I can only go by that. When we watched David Lamin, I think his chosen subject, as I said before, was Jamaica. He knew absolutely diddly squat about it. I knew more about Jamaica than he did. So uh, it is the lowest ever score on Mastermind. We don't, we don't make these things up. We don't sort of do something to go, oh, look, here's somebody who's really dim. Although in your case, it kind of applied because you were and you got into the Guinness Book of Records. Because you didn't know anything. And the idea of going on there is you're supposed to be the best at, at, at your, your chosen subject. And a, a mastermind. The clue is in the title of the programme. You know, if it had been called Master Plank, then you would have got it. But it was Mastermind. OK? Hope to God you're a better gas fitter. <laughs> I'm sure you are. But uh, Master Plank. Imagine if we had a programme called Master Plank. So that he, he has given me his telephone number. Loads of people give it. You know, I'm inundated with people giving me their phone numbers recently. Everywhere I go, people go, here's my phone number. I'm constantly surprised. Michael Winner, here's my private number. In fact, he sent me now another Christmas card. I've now got two Christmas cards from Michael Winner. How lucky am I, ladies and gentlemen? How lucky am I? Uh, so Santa's Buddies is what we're going to be talking about later on. And that's going to be with the actor Christopher Lloyd. 
Uh, Anne says, I had to check in with you. I spent two days in hospital after a bad fall on the underground. I felt a real fool as I fell down the escalators. Mind you, I've fallen up an escalator before now. Do you remember years ago when they first put escalators in places? And they started saying, oh, you've got to be really careful, you know, about escalators. And people go, one, two, three, oh, no, oh, no, we missed it. And you've got to wait for the next step to come along. And I hate it if somebody's on the step right behind me. So I always put one foot on the step behind me, one in front. So I take up two stairs. Not people in, intruding, I'm afraid. Uh, Camellia says, Camellia, uh, you can uh, go to the Battersea Arts Centre to do the show. It's not big enough. It's not big enough. That's the trouble. We, 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 we sell out big venues fairly quickly. What's in the red bag? Um, my life is in the red bag. I am Edna the inebriate woman. I am a bag lady. There's everything in here. Although, actually, this morning, Mohammed, my driver, he's got the start of a cold, so I gave him my Benelin day and night tablets, but I've got some uh, diclofenic tablets here. My sunglasses, because I'm a celebrity. And a uh, letter from Michael Winner. I've got, uh, I've got tons of stuff, actually. Some CDs, some DVDs, uh, two umbrellas, uh, chewing gum. Everything. I put it on the floor because it's, it's distracting for you, I know. Because I was looking at myself a minute ago on the camera and I was thinking, what's in that bag? Somebody thought it was a Waitrose bag for life. No, 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 she's working the other side. OK, you can't quite see her, but uh, you will get to see her in there eventually a little bit later. Uh, not, so rude, I know, so rude, but who cares? Amanda Holden has wound up Simon Cowell by branding X Factor boring. Um, actually, talking of boring, I noticed that Kim Marsh is in a lot of the papers today, and she's saying that uh, she'd love to do a musical in London. I hope to God you never do it, love. I really do. I can't bear you. Uh, in the same way, I can't bear Stephen Barker. Stephen Barker is an ex-JP. He's a crook. He's another benefit fraudster, I'm afraid. This time he's been jailed, though, for uh, 36 weeks. So how long's that? How long's 36 weeks? Four, seven, fours, 28, eight, fours, 32, nine, four. Anyway, it's about, about eight or nine weeks, isn't it? Can't work it. It's a few, whatever it is, it's not long enough because he cheated 18,000 quid, you old crook. Stephen Barker said he couldn't work because of angina and arthritis. He was working as a fisherman, so a compulsive liar as well. He netted £18,840. He served as a magistrate from 2003, right in the middle of his benefit fraud. I think we should hang him, ladies and gentlemen. What an old crook. If I'd been at court when that man... T- I'd been throwing eggs. Yeah, pfft. I'll tell you, that's, I, I would. I feel like doing that. I feel like standing outside some of these courts and these, uh, these people who, who go in there and they kind of get, yeah, got away with it, didn't it? That nine months, was it? Nine fours of 30. Yeah, oh, it was nine months, isn't it right? Have we worked that out now? We've finally worked it out. It's about nine months. It doesn't seem very long, though, does it, really, nine months? Hopefully his, his life will collapse after that. I'm a bit worried about the, uh, the Jane Andrews. This is the old crook the convicted murderer, although the police have said that uh, we're not sure how dangerous she is, but you should be mindful she was convicted of murder. I'm kind of thinking, I don't think they'd come any more dangerous than that. She wasn't convicted for nicking pot plants, was she? She's a murderer, and so she was allowed to escape from an open prison. Having begged to go there, they then put her there, and then she escapes. You begin to wonder whether or not we've got some, some strange... System in this country whereby, you know, they go, oh, do, you, oh, do you want to go to open prison? Oh, I'll go to open prison. Surprised we haven't stuck Rose West in open prison. I mean, let's face it, one or two mistakes. Rose, oh, that's right, you've got to be posh to go to open prison, haven't you? Ernest Saunders went to open prison. He was, he was open prison, Ernest Saunders. Ernest Saunders, he was another one. A lot of people, oh, check him out on the internet. He, we've mentioned Ernest before. He was one who got cured of a mental illness. Goes to open prison, he goes in with a... It's, it's a bit like Ronnie Biggs. 
Ronnie Biggs, going to drop dead in two days. Quickly send him home so he can die. No, the old crook's still living, ladies and gentlemen. Not exactly in a completely uh, normal state, more vegetative. But frankly, having been told by his son, who obviously has inherited his father's ability for extending the truth, uh, he's no more near dead than you nor I. Mind you, having said that, he might actually uh, might go this weekend, in which case we'll then go on the Monday morning, finally, at long last. Uh, a cat owner. Love cat owners. Cat owners are the only ones you could upset on the radio. You've only got to do... Right, you've crawled down, crawl down, it's on again. OK, cr- you've got to do it in 20 seconds. OK, it's not easy, this. OK. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Run! Flee for the hills! Freedom! Freedom yeah! It's, st- <laughs> it's like South African musical, isn't it? I did say to somebody yesterday, it was so funny, they were watching on the internet... And, and they actually logged on, and they said, and one minute you're sitting there, and the next minute, a cup of coffee appears in front of you, as if by magic. I said, yeah, that's the thing with, with the 20-second delay, is that you can, you can bring a cup of coffee in, provided you're out in, in 20 seconds, the cup of coffee magically appears. But actually, now you get a much better look at the, at the desk in the studio. And it is live, as it says, 5.26.21. Well, that can't be right, can it? Because I'm looking, oh, perhaps, it, perhaps the seconds work backwards here. Five, oh, no, because it's doing every 20 seconds, isn't it? So you could see where, where I would normally sit, and that's why it was all covered up with a telephone and keypads and the, the two screens. Now we're working on the other screen, which is, uh, which is a lot easier. Anyway, going back to this, this cat owner who has blasted the RSPCA after her poorly old puss was taken off the streets by the animal charity and destroyed within four hours. Ruth Ingle and her daughters Lauren and Ellie were devastated to learn that their frail pet Cleo had been put to sleep. The grey tabby, who was almost 19, was picked up yards from the family home. Uh, the Ingalls only realised what happened when they spotted a piece of paper stuck to a lamppost saying an animal had been found by the RSPCA. Ruth said we'd had her since she was born. She was old and skinny but eating well. But apparently the RSPCA said they, they put her down because she was reported as a stray and looked ill. But, I mean, this animal was moving about on the streets. The RSP- For God's sake, watch the RSPCA. God forbid that you should have your dog that goes and sits on the pavement, the RSPCA go, it looks like a stray, takes it, take it home and put it to sleep. What right have they got to actually take an animal and put it to sleep? I would take them to court. You can't just take somebody's pet because somebody said it was a stray. Should, should they not have made every effort to work out whose, whose animal it was and then, having worked that out, contacted the family and said, uh, we've actually got your cat here. Not, not we've just put it to sleep. It wasn't ill or anything like that. Terrible. 84850, Steve at uk. Angela says, I don't have a mental picture for Carl Newton. I just used to laugh at everything McGiffin said. <laughs> no interesting presenter since McGiff, I'm afraid. What about Virginia Ironside or Claire Rayner? Can you describe Mr Newton? Um, well, you'll, you'll see him on the webcam. I think you should... Let me just have a quick check, actually. If I have a look at the, uh, at the webcam... You will. You'll actually see the back of him because he'll be sitting directly opposite me. And we'll, we'll actually... Yeah, we'll, we'll get him to wave in front of the camera for you. He's blonde, he's slim, and he's from Leeds. That's, that's all I can tell you. And he's very powerful in television, but he'll be sitting opposite in about half an hour's time, OK? He's probably up at the moment going, right, I've got to make an effort this morning. Because he hasn't, he hasn't... Yes, he should be in the car. He hasn't been to this building. He hasn't been, and he doesn't realise, because the last building that, that he came to, it was, uh, it was small, and this building is 
vast. It's huge. 600 people in this building. 600 people. How cool is that? 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. This is LBC. Morning, everyone. We found another one. I found another doll cheat. This time, it's uh, Victor Frost. Victor Frost gets his name checked this morning. He's 67. He drove funeral limos, carried coffins part-time, whilst claiming disability, housing and council tax benefits for four years. His boss never heard a complaint about his back. This one raked in £21,000, you crooked old man. Frost, who comes from Doncaster, South Yorkshire, admitted failing to reveal his job at the town's Crown Court. This one only got 200 hours community service and a three-month suspended term. Was told to repay the benefits. Uh, chop his hands off. Sorry, I mean, I'm sorry. This, yeah, yeah, but repaying the benefits. But all these people do. Do you remember that woman who did it the other day? And she was paying them off. Uh, no, it was some bloke. Who's the bloke? I can't think who it is now. Somebody got, got fired. Oh, I'll tell you who it is. It's the, uh, the chef who got done for drink driving, and he said because he paid his, his wife an awful lot of money in a divorce, he could only pay off, was it John Burton Race, at something like £10 a week or something stupid. I remember thinking, Pfft. yeah, right. It's ridiculous. But this one here, 67, what's the point? Of, you know, all he'll say is, oh, can I just pay back at a pound a week? Because people who steal benefit, then they, they don't keep it in a bank account. They go and buy televisions, cars, they go on holidays, so they haven't got any money. See, I think you should be allowed to go into the house and go, right, we're going to take your car, because we're looking for £21,000 here. Uh, your television's going, OK, your bedding's going. They did that. There was a television programme. Do you remember it? It was a telly programme, and it... Oh, what was it called? It might have been called the... It wasn't the bailiff or something like that, where they took some students and they said, right, how much money do you think you owe to credit card companies and everything else. And they said, I don't know, about £6,000. And on this particular student, they said, no, actually, you owe £21,000. That's what you've borrowed, and that's what you owe. And now, having had the letters from somebody, this is the worst-case scenario. This is what happens. So they go back to their house, and it's stripped. Everything is gone. The beds, the furniture... The TVs, the guitars, the CDs, every single item that they own has been taken. And where does it go? It goes to the bailiff, who then sends it for auction. The idea being that they auction all your stuff and it pays off your debts. Or in the case of these lads, who owed, I think it was 21000 they then said, right, and this is what you've been left with in your house. So they open the front door, nothing in there. And they go, well, where, where's our CDs? They go, well, they've gone for auction because you owed money and they, the, the people want, want paying back. So they then go to this warehouse and there's all their, their stuff in the warehouse, guitars, televisions, computer games, and they then sell it at auction. The problem is, when you sell at auction, it doesn't go for anywhere near the amount of money you paid. So they had a guitar. He said, how much did you pay for that? He said, I, I paid, I think, £200. He said, fiver if you're lucky. So at the end of the day, their £21,000 debt, all of their goods didn't even raise £1,000. They sold their books, their, their CDs. He said, listen, 10p a CD. He said, you've got 100 of them. He said, pound. That's as simple as that. It, it was, whatever, it, whatever it was, it was just a ridiculous amount of money. And they said, but unfortunately, you still owe the money. You've still got that debt hanging over. So when you get this benefit fraudster who claims benefit, I mean, would you know, honestly, if I worked in a benefit, I'm sure that 90% of you listening at the moment, if you worked in a benefit office, you could spot fraudsters a mile off. 
I see people. I see people all the time using, and you know, it's my big bugbear, the uh, disabled badge. They actually put it on the thing, and then they they sort of walk back to the car again because they're using their parents' disabled badge, but they think they're allowed to use it because they're going out shopping for them. No, they're not. The person who's disabled has got to be in the car. It's as simple as that. But unfortunately, a lot of uh, a lot of crooks know that, and that's why they they hide it. I tell you, I, I could be a policeman for a day. I could be a policeman for a day. 84850, steve at Um Lovely one here. This is somebody else saying another plank. And this is an Idaho resident, Kathy Evans, who brought humiliation to her friend and family on Tuesday when she set a new standard for stupidity with her appearance on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Now, this must be the American one. It seems that Evans, 32-year-old wife and mother of two, got stuck on the, on the final question and proceeded to make what fans of the show are dubbing the absolute worst use of lifelines ever. After being introduced to the show's host, Meredith Vieira, Evans assured her she was ready to play, whereupon she was posed with an extremely easy $100 question. Which of the following is the largest? A, a peanut, B, an elephant, or C, the moon? Or D, hey, who are you calling large? Okay. Immediately, Mrs. Evans was struck with an all-consuming panic as she realised that this was a question she didn't actually know the answer to. This is a toughie, she said, as Vieira did her level best to hide disbelief and disgust. She decided to use the first of her lifelines. The 50-50. First of all, answers A and D were removed, leaving her to decide which was the bigger, an elephant or the moon. However, faced with an incredibly easy question, she remained unsure. Oh, she said it removed the two I was leaning towards. Darn, I'm going to phone a friend. (laughs) Using the sec... Can't be true, this, can it? Using the second of her two lifelines on the first question, Mrs Evans asked to be connected with her friend Betsy, who's an office assistant. Hi, Betsy, how are you? This is Cathy, I'm on TV, said Evans, wasting the final seven seconds of the call. I've got an important question. Which of the following is the largest? Be an elephant or see the moon? Fifteen seconds, hun. Betsy quickly replied the answer was see the moon. Evans then decided to argue with her friend for the remaining ten seconds. Come on, Betsy, are you sure, she said. Are you sure? That can't be it. To everybody's astonishment, the moronic Evans declined to take her friend's advice and pick the moon. I don't know if I can trust Betsy, she said. She's not all that bright. So I think I'd like to ask the audience. Asked to vote on the correct answer. The audience returned 98% in favour of answer C, the moon. 2%, that was the other one. Uh, anyway, having used up all her lifelines, Evans then made the dumbest choice of her life. She says, it seems like everybody's against what I'm thinking, said the too stupid to live Evans. But, you know, sometimes you just go with your gut. So let's see, which is large elephant in the mood? I'm going to have to go with B, an elephant. Final answer. <laughs> she sat before the dumbfounded audience, the only one waiting with bated breath, and was told that she was wrong, and that the answer was, in fact, C, the moon. This woman votes, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, can you believe? Oh, dear me. I mean, see, the trouble is, if, if, if you do look at the moon... I remember somebody... Do you remember the old thing years ago? Somebody used to say, which is heavier, a ton of feathers or a ton of lead? And you'd go, lead. And they go, no, they're both the same. And they go, yeah, but lead's much heavier than a feather. If you get a piece of lead, it's heavier. They go, yeah, but it's a ton of feathers and a ton of lead. Well, it's lead, isn't it? No, they're both the same. And you could argue till the cows come home. It would used to get quite ridiculous. That I don't think that one would get. I mean, can you? I mean, that is just. They probably couldn't believe their luck. I wonder if it's on YouTube. It must be. I, I, it looks as though it's a, a YouTube clip. Thank you, Sarah. 
An absolutely classic one. Uh, Roger says, I'm listening in Atlanta. I always wish somebody had phoned me from... from not phoned me. <laughs> not phoned me. From Atlantis. I quite like the idea that there is an underground city. There was a television programme. When I got up this morning... Oh, it was Beat the Bailiff was the programme. Thank you, Alan. Beat the Bailiff was the, uh, the programme. Beat the Bailiff. There you go. Perhaps I should bring it back. Um, Steve, I can't believe... Says Karen, how you look so humble and cute. Cute. I'm, I'm quite cute, actually. In fact, it's almost embarrassingly cute. I think I'm, I'm, I'm even cuter first thing in the morning. I'm walking around in Thomas the Tank Engine pajamas. <laughs> yeah, right. Believe that, you'll knit fog, ladies and gentlemen. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, everybody knows it was called Beat the Bailiff. Thank you. Please say hello to Arlene in Heighton. She has a job interview this morning. There you go. Jamie, who says have a great day. Is that my, my Jamie from Costco? I hope so. Looking forward to Christmas with a bit of luck. There's a man here, a curry-loving businessman, who's built the UK's largest poppadom tower. 450 poppadoms. Sounds quite nice, actually. They're very fattening poppadoms. But I quite like them when you sort of put that um, chutney on and... Um, what's that other stuff? Wraith. Wraith... Race, race, no, that's race to Gorbachev. You're thinking of. I don't think you'd be spreading her on anything like a poppadom. Um, I think it's it's wraithy. Is it wraith? Oh, I've got me at it now. God, it's hopeless when I can't remember things. Anyway, chutney's quite nice. It's the yogurt, isn't it? It's the minty yogurt. It's not called race, you foolish woman. (laughs) She is the bag for life, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, there's a, a man here who is trimming his hedge using a sit-on lawnmower and a crane. This was in New Zealand. His hedge is so big, so he gets the his little sit-on lawnmower, they lift it up on the crane, and they drive it along the top of this to cut it. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, look, I'm proud of my record, but these guys are the unbeaten heroes. This is Joe Kalzaki. He's going to raise £500,000 for the troops. It's great, but, uh, you know, and that's, and that's fantastic, so I'm all with that. And then you've got the singing guardsman, who I think... Oh, laugh! There was a piece, there's a piece in the paper today, and you could be misled by it, and that's why I'm, I'm telling you now. Susan Boyle is very pleased they're making a programme about her life to be shown on American television. They're making a whole, a whole documentary. Until you read a bit further into it, and you realise that the producer is one Simon Cowell. So, in other words, they're keeping it going, because she's the only hope, this is the only one who has sold this big... So as long as they keep the mystery going that, you know, she's special needs and it's this and it's that and she's come from, from nothing and here she is and she's a big superstar, she's still not a big superstar. They're selling an image. They're selling an image and eventually the bubble will burst and people will go, Duh. a bit like John and Edwards. You know, them I can see being used for advertising purposes. I can quite easily see that happening, where they'll just go, ah, and they jump, because even in the sun today, they've posed, and they'll quite happily, they're a little bit like Gilbert and George. They'll end up doing posing for things, because they're not the brightest pennies in the box. In fact, they're really not the brightest pennies in the box. It doesn't matter. Playboy magazine is going to unveil its oldest nude playmate. No, it's not the producer. Uh, It's uh, a lady called... Patricia Pye. Patricia, thank you. Patricia. Oh, I dropped it on the floor. Oh, no, oh I did. I dropped it on the floor and I can't bend down to pick it up. Oh, I can't. Oh, look. oh I've dropped it on the floor again. I'm hopeless. <laughs> I've dropped the uh, paper on the floor, she looks like. Okay, thank you. It's there. <laughs> yeah, Patricia Pye is going to be the oldest playmate they've ever had in Playboy magazine. She's 60. 60. 
Now, I don't know whether of that makes any, uh, any difference, being 60 years old. Uh, she's a mum of one. She split from her husband in the summer. The trouble is, in America, nobody looks 60, do they? No, nobody, um, they all... They will look much younger than 60. It's a dreadful, dreadful pressure on people to look younger and younger and younger. But, uh, but for some reason, they think it's OK to be 60, which is good news. Um, apparently, rib ticklers are replacing tired Christmas cracker gags. Dozens of old jokes. Do you know, um, does anybody read the things? In the... We do, actually. I know, we do in our family. We pull the cracker, we go, oh, look, first of all, you put the silly hat on, and then it rips. And then you sort of try and work out what, what your gift is. I did see some crackers the other day. I bought nice crackers this year. Very nice crackers. Tom Smith, who I think make some of the best crackers. But I saw some the other day, which really do look super, super duper. And they were £45 a box in Habitat. And half looked good. And some nice bags in there to put things in. Because I, I buy presents for the, uh, for the people who come onto the programme. And I'm always looking for bags to put things in. So is Carl here yet? Is he here? Is Oh, right, OK. OK, right. Uh, quarter to six is at the time, and uh, we've got more from the papers coming up right after this. <laughs> News headlines. A ruling in the Supreme Court later could pave the way for around eight million people to claim back unauthorised overdraft charges. Judges will decide whether the bank fee should be regulated by the Office of Fair Trading. A dad of two remains under arrest in hospital, suspected of stabbing his three-year-old son to death in Southwark on Monday. In the Iraq war inquiry... We'll question two senior Foreign Office officials later about the threat from weapons of mass destruction. Check on the state of the roads. It's Hugh Broom. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, the North Circular is closed in... BC 97.3. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 6 is the time. Wednesday, November 25th, 2009. EastEnders are going to have four new teenagers... They're going to bring them in, they're going to be squatters, and they're going to liven up the square. They always tell you that. Whenever they bring new people into Albert Square, they always say, and these are the ones who are going to brighten it all up, and it's going to be fantastic, and it never turns out like that at all, because we like the original uh, characters in there. Uh, it's more of your texts and emails coming in this morning, because we are live on the webcam. This time I've moved position uh, for new listeners. If you go to lbc.co.uk then uh, you can see that we've moved position. Because yesterday, people were saying, it's great to see the back of your head, but it'd be quite nice to see the front of you. So I've, I've sort of moved round the table a little bit, which is quite nice. I put my arms like that? I don't know. We have to wait. Every 20 seconds, it refreshes. So you can see the programme this morning. That's my coat hanging over the back there. And, uh, and the big empty chair... Oh, look, that's quite clever, isn't it? So that's my uh, thing there. And uh, the big empty chair is where Nick Ferrara would be, which is where I normally am. But if you sit there, you can't see anything. And Carl Newton who is the uh, brand-new editor of This Morning. Because when they, when they revamped This Morning, they quite clearly decided they wanted a new editor. So in he comes. And he likes loads of people that I don't like, so it's fantastic. And he'll be looking through the papers for us this morning. Dan and uh, family are back. Uh, fresh-faced and geared up for normal life. Having returned from New York, very, very broke. Amazing time had by all. The hotel was uh, no way family and baby-friendly. So holiday operator getting an email today. Saw some amazing Christmas displays in shop windows, including Macy's, which do a really, really good uh, Christmas display. Over there, I think their Christmas displays are great. Although, I had to tell you, the other day, I wanted some Christmas lights, so I I thought, I know, I'll go to uh, Harrods. I can't remember if I told you this story or not. So I decide to go to Harrods, and what I do is I park in Kensington Gore, but I don't have any change. The only meter in London that takes cash. Everybody else takes credit cards. 
and or you can phone up and I'm, I can do this, this parking. Consequently, I go rushing into the geology museum and, and I said to the girl in the cloakroom, I said, I said, you haven't... You know what they're like in these places. They can't open the till until somebody's bought something. And so I said, you couldn't open the till and give me some change, could you, for a fiver? She said, yes, of course. So I couldn't believe my luck. So she gives me five one-pound coins. I rush back out, put the money in the, in the car thing, and I've got, I think, an hour... And I'm thinking, right, I'm not too far. I can go from here to Harrods and then get back in time and I'll have the, I'll have the Christmas lights and that'll be fantastic. And, um, and so then I think, I'd better give her a present. So I then go rushing back to the car again. I go to the boot of the car and, uh, and I open up the boot of the car and I've got chocolates in there. So I pick up a box of chocolates. I go rushing back into the geology museum and I have to go through security. And I, I said, they're just chocolates. Look, chocolates, chocolates. And they all get very excited. And I give them to the woman behind the, the cloakroom. And I go, listen, you've saved my life. Thanks very much indeed. So she's kind of really taken aback. So she, she goes, oh, right, thank you. Obviously, nobody's given her chocolates. I then go rushing out, run down the road to Harrods. Now, they've got a big Christmas department on whichever floor it is. So I go through there. I cannot see Christmas lights. This is Harrods. This is the shop that boasts proudly that they can get everything. They've got everything. They've got, you know, everything you can think of. There's nothing they can't get. The only thing they don't have, Christmas lights. They don't have They've got one box of Christmas lights. I said to her, I said, is that it? And she said, yes, I was expecting a whole department full of all the best lights throughout the entire world. It was the most pitiful selection I've ever seen. They only do the one, one style of lights. What do you want? What? Oh. They only do the one style of lights. And I thought, well, I'm not going to waste my money on that. It was the, it, there's more in my local garden centre. So I was, I was very disappointed, very disappointed. Anyway, so, so Dan sees all the shop window displays. The best bit, he said, we missed the boil monster. As we headed back to London, she was off to New York. He said, there is a god. <laughs> there is a god. But uh, she's selling hugely. I mean, absolutely, hugely, hugely, hugely. Uh, Darren says, I'm usually bar humbug this time of year, but in my old age, I feel Christmassy. So I suggested to my lovely wife, we put up the tree and decorations. And so now we've got to decorate the living room and the hall. And she says, uh, it needs doing before you can put the tree up. He said, that's why I've been painting and papering. That'll teach you. That'll teach you. No good putting up the tree, is there? Uh, lovely, lovely Noreen says, sat and watched the webcam for about an hour. Uh, sorry, half an hour yesterday. Apart from you, didn't see anything. No, there was, <laughs> it was only me here yesterday. There was no Alan Dodgson. Was, you know, it's kind of a bit difficult when there's nothing. You can have a look at Carl when he comes in. you better see Carl from the side. That'll be quite nice. And Hal Cruttenden was on the Royal Variety Show. He supported Rob Brydon on Monday night. Ah, well, he's going to be going up to Blackpool for, for Royal Variety. Uh, Colin, we mentioned, didn't we? Uh, another one here. Rachel, have you seen the mini jigsaws in M&S Christmas Gifts Department? I can't stand jigsaws. I cannot stand them. You can get your own mini jigsaw of, guess what? Loads of Brussels sprouts. I quite like the idea of loads of Brussels... Oh, sorry, that's me with the lights. Loads of Brussels sprouts and stuff like that, but a jigsaw, no. We never did jigsaws when we were kids, and we're certainly not going to be, not going to be doing that my time of life, I'm afraid. Uh, Kirsty Walker is doing the newspapers this morning with uh, Nick Ferrari after seven. They're going to be talking about uh, overdraft fees, completely outrageous or a fact of life. Parisian taxpayers coming to the rescue of the city's bicycle hire scheme because so many bikes have been stolen or trashed. Dreadful, isn't it, when people will actually steal things? There's nothing nowadays that people... Unless it's nailed down, people, people nick it. You can't, you can't trust anybody. Uh, Phyllis in Stanmore wants me to wish her son Spencer, who lives in Harrow, good luck, waiting for results from health tests. So good luck there. 
And having checked and seen how many of you logged on to the uh, webcam yesterday, I can only tell you that at six o'clock there's going to be a sudden surge. The good news is that because I'm sitting in a different position in the studio, you get to see a bit more of me. And when I say more of me, believe you me, more of me. So if you go to lbc.co.uk, it takes you live into the studio. And it's, it looks exactly the same as yesterday. Except we've got the same lights, except I've just sort of moved them a little bit. So all of that and more. Plus, we take all your texts and emails. 84850 steve at uk. Very quickly. Um, uh, Brian says she didn't use her lifelines. Noreen says, uh, you're sitting in a better seat today. <laughs> Can you please say, I hope Dawn has a good journey. Oop, north. She's going to a gig. I know, but when, when is she not going to a gig? When is she not going to a gig? Uh, Shirley says, oh, laugh, oh dear, Mrs Evans, oh dear. What's funny there, wasn't it? Good story either way. Uh, and Steve, it's a made-up story, says Ken in Canada. Is it a made-up story? It was like, do you remember the other story that was on the internet? I don't know if you ever saw it. And it was a chat show somewhere, and it was a guy who'd obviously had an operation, <laughs> and it made his voice go very high, and the interviewer started laughing and laughed all the way through. And this man's explaining about his, his terribly sad disease and illness, and so, consequently, uh, it, it, he just laughed, and it turned out it was made up as well. I thought it was quite good, though. If it was made up, I, I'm very impressed with it, because I, I buy into these things. I love them. Anything's interesting. Uh, I, uh, Eddie says, I beat the bailiff most mornings. Not my bailiff. She wouldn't round here. You want to see some of the bailiffs we've got listening to this programme? Oh, crikey. Raita. R-A-I-T-A. Thank you. That's on the yoghurt that you're going to put on your, your poppadoms. Raita. Not Raisa. You were miles out. It's not Raisa. Goodness, that's Raisa Gorbachev, who's not with us anymore. Uh, Johnny says, if the banks are found to be overcharging and a payout for 8 million people is to be made, can I insist that my bank keep the money? As I don't want to cause another financial crisis. It's time we supported the banks for being a really nice organisation that always helps when you've got money in the bank. When you haven't, of course, they write to you. Well, actually, now they don't even write you. The, it, the computer generates a letter and you think... You think somebody's writing to you, it goes, Dear Mr So-and-so, we thought you'd like to know that you're £267 overdrawn. Uh, when will we be seeing the money? And you write back, never. And, uh, and that's when it gets a bit personal. That's when the, the bank manager then contacts uh, you. And unfortunately, you end up with sort of... I used to get to the stage years and years ago where I just couldn't, couldn't open the post. I'd, I'd get a letter in the morning... And, and you knew it was from the bank. You can always tell the bank letters, can't you? It's got those envelopes. And you think, he's written a letter saying, can you please... And I did at one point have to go to the bank donkeys years ago when I, when I first moved up to London because I was overdrawn. And, uh, and he, he said, when you come in, can you bring your chequebook and credit card? And he took them off me. He took them off me, actually took them off me and said, you know, you're overdrawn. And you think, well, you know... And he said, perhaps we should sit down and work out your finances. Well, not really. Why don't you just give me some money? So that's what's going to happen at the end of the day. And it was terrible. I was overdrawn. You couldn't get money from anywhere. It really was. And I had to go out and I applied for a job. And I've, I've told the story before that I, I, the only job that I could actually get an interview for, surprisingly, uh, was as a, a, a ticket seller for British Rail. And I had to go and sit in a room. I know. Can you imagine? I had to sit in a room and, and they said, right, now we're going to work. Well, of course, I was rubbish at it. I was rubbish. I didn't even get the job. I wasn't rude. No, we, we, we were all interviewed, but we all sat at desks and had to do a test to sell tickets. You know, it's a computer. They go, I want to go to Bromley, and you type in Bromley, and you do that, and it tells you, well, what do you want, single return? What do you want? Come on, what do you want, single return? Christ's sake. 
Can't be that difficult. It's like standing behind people at the at the ticket machines at Waterloo Station. You see that? I don't know. Where am I? Oh, what sort of ticket? Just listen. Go and stand in a line. I've got a train to catch. Ridiculous. Uh, Iris says, I've been a listener for over 20 years. I don't know how you manage each day to be so lively and cheerful. It's the newspapers. You've only got to read the newspapers to realise just how easy it is to be cheerful. There are reasons to be cheerful every single day, and that's what I, that's what I like. Especially when it's got the usual Susan Boyles and Jordan on the front page. But we'll find out uh, in the next part of the programme just uh, how well Carl is, is doing with not because he seems to get his name twice on the television at the moment. He seems to get it for loose women, and he se- unless somebody hasn't taken it off there, and he also gets it up for this morning as well, which is good. I did see Jade Goody's mum on the mum on the Jeremy Kyle show, and uh, and James says I'm listening to you on DAB on the train, but I have to see you on my BlackBerry. Aha! Does it work like that? Because I've got this application on my iPhone. Which, which does television, but I don't think you can pick up LBC, which is a bit of a shame. Cheryl says, put the Christmas lights up outside yesterday. I'll put the tree up at the weekend, ready for the first. And, uh, Steve, I've worked all my life, paid tax, owed the national insurance, nothing. And uh, what happens? It's benefit fraud everywhere. I voted. I voted. Holy team, eight minutes past six. Wednesday morning in London town, freezing cold. Just in the studio, wet, windy and horrible outside. And uh, we take more of your texts and emails, 84850, steve.lbc.co.uk. And also, don't forget, we're live on webcam. If you go to lbc.co.uk, we've moved positions today. So, in fact, you can see... And because there's two of us in the studio, you get to see uh, full face from me and you get to see a side view of our special guest who's doing the papers for us this morning. Uh, he's not only uh, editor of This Morning... Which, uh, because when, when they had the revamp and they then, uh, Fern left and they brought Hollaby, uh, Hollaby in, they brought Holly Willoughby in, <laughs> they then decided that best to have some new blood in there, so to inject some new faces and everything else onto the screen, they moved over a young man who has made his mark with the loose women. He also, I think, originally started with, with Trisha and he's done oh, tons of other things. He's also well known to us at LBC. He is Carl Newton. Good morning. Morning, love. <laughs> and he's from Leeds. <laughs> from Leeds. I don't know why, because I, was, I, and I couldn't find it again this morning. I went onto the internet yesterday and I found a blog from you talking about where, where you'd come from and all the shows you'd worked on. This morning I try and find it and it's vanished. I've had it all removed. <laughs> But leave no trace if Steve Allen's doing any research before you arrive. I delete found, it. I found a bit with you and you and John Scott, and I found a bit with you and somebody else. And you were, when you were looking for the new loose woman, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was bits on there, and all of a sudden it's disappeared from my script. And I'm thinking, where has he put it? Where has he put <laughs> it? Because it was it was an interview, and people were then asking you questions about you know where had you come from and what had you done? Because you because you're very young to be editing programmes. And somebody said to me the other day that most of the people who are in charge of television programmes now are half the age of the presenters. But I'm the oldest. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm the oldest at ITV. And I'm only 35. You're 35? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't look 35. If you have a, if you have a quick, quick look on the web... Anyway, just see what he looks like on the webcam. I have to check this now, actually. See how much we even get... There you go. Look, you have a look at him on the webcam. You can't see this, but the webcam's there, just in the corner. And he looks about 15. Aww. It's really embarrassing, actually. <laughs> Mind you, we have to turn the lights down, especially. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, Loose Women, you're editing as well as yeah, this yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how does it work? When, when, when people look at, at the credits and it says, Carl Newton, it says, editor, what does that mean you do? Um, basically, what you do is you kind of oversee the editorial context of the programme, so you kind of decide on the guests, the topics, the order of um, the running order... Um, 
what we're going to cook that day, right. or in the case of Lisa and what they're going to talk about that day. And so what time do you get in in the morning? Because I was I was checking at what time he gets in at the moment. This is apparently quite early for him. Oh, it's really on this morning about half past seven. Right. And we have a news meeting at eight, and then on loose women at eight, and there's a news meeting at half eight. Are you cause... all in the same building then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when this morning finishes and you see the credits running running on screen, yeah. I run down the steel steps, have a cigarette. And then run into the Loose Women Gallery. <laughs> <laughs> and then we take that no, on I'm from, from Loose Women. It's not far, well, he, he doesn't run. <laughs> it's all right except the running bit. Actually, we, we should mention the fact that the Loose Women have got a DVD out for Christmas called Late Night. It's a bit racier than the daytime. Although sometimes the daytime has been quite racy. Depends if Colleen fancies them. Or Denise. Or, or Denise. Carol. <laughs> yes. Or De- In fact, I was looking, actually, there were, there were pictures on the internet I discovered this one of you snogging, Denise. Oh, we don't talk about that. No, do, do, we do. do on this programme. <laughs> <laughs> I was mortified. There were quite a if, few if, pictures. If you speak to her, she will claim that I grabbed her for a cheap publicity photograph outside the smoking area of Café de Paris. <laughs> speak to me, she won't do it, and I'll claim the opposite. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she grabbed me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure who I believe on this one. <laughs> Either way, if you check the internet, just check images. There's all sorts of images which are up there. But it's but it's it's obviously good fun because now you've got Holly to work with on this morning. You you then changed a few people around because I think there, were, there are obviously certain contributors you can keep and certain contributors you think let's let's give it a, a whirl and, and find somebody else. Well, I mean, I think. You know, you don't have to keep anybody, but this morning is a, a massive institution. It's been going 21 years. Mm. And, you know, for me, I absolutely adore Denise and Dr Chris. Yeah. Massive, massive part of the show's history. And I'm, I feel absolutely honoured when I walk in and Denise is sat in makeup. <laughs> you know, just to be working with her. And then I go into my problems and then <laughs> knock on Dr Chris's and then I've got a rash. But no, no they're really, really, you know, I love, I love... I love I love the people who work on this morning. It's a fantastic team. And, you know, with any show, there's always going to be a certain amount of kind of structural engineering and, yeah. you know, new faces come, new faces go. That happens in every job, doesn't it? And who who are you responsible to? I mean, obviously, there must be somebody above you that says, right, this is, this is your budget for this morning. This is how much money you've got to spend on guests. Because presumably pre- presenters are dealt with separately. Or, or do presenters come under your remit as well? No, 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 no. I don't, I, don't, I don't really have anything to do with the money. The production managers have the purse. Right. And the kind of editors and production managers um, tend not to get on. Because <laughs> you're like, spend, spend! Let's go out on the South Bank and do this, 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 this! And they're going... £62.84 no, 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 no. left. You can't. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because you tend to forget that every time you do something outside, you've got to move the cameras out there, you've got to move the team out there, and it... it, it that there are logistical well, you know, every problems. Every time we film on the South Bank, you know, if you see Phil and Holly going outside, yeah, um, because it's privately owned that bit of land, so you pay a thousand pounds per time to film outside to whichever association it's a housing mm. association think who own the land, and then you've got to get security and then the cameras. Oh my god, so it's quite expensive yeah. to actually go out there. That's why they don't go out there that often. Absolutely. Especially not in the winter. <laughs> not in the winter. All right, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll take a very quick break for the uh, news headlines, uh, and then we'll start going through the papers. I think one of the stories we're going to be looking at is Jordan. So I'm always keen to find out, because I, th- there are certain people who end up on Loose Women, and I think, I wonder if Carl really likes them, or he puts them on there knowing that I'll deliberately not like them. Or <laughs> <laughs> just to wind you just up. Just to wind me up. It always works every time. But the, the late-night Loose Women is out now, and it's with uh, Denise, Andrea, Carol... 
and, um... Sherry. And Sherry. That's yeah. it. And I had dinner with Sherry a while ago. She is as mad as, as she is on the television. She's no different at all. So Late Night Loose Women is uh, out now. Perfect big night in. It's a girly chat. And uh, we'll take a short break. We'll have more from Carl after the news headlines. <laughs> With Matthew Schofield. Jane Andrews, the former dresser to see. 97.3. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. With us looking through the papers today is Carl Newton, who's the editor of This Morning and Loose Women. I mean, two jobs, I ask, even round here, that's considered just pushing a bit too far. <laughs> actually, being the producer of... Actually, you know, it probably does work round here as well, actually. You have producers who work across two different programmes, but it's quite nice to get two, two daytime programmes that actually produce an audience. Are you very much geared to your audience? Do you, do you watch the, uh, the figures for it? Do you, do you get daily rushes or...? You know what? We, I mean, we get ratings every day, yeah. but I, I don't become too preoccupied with the ratings because I think you can judge a good show... And you can look at a show and think what could have been better. Yeah. And, you know, often, you know, like, you might... What you think is a really good show might not rate particularly well. But it's yeah. all about balance and kind of, you know, you might do a really good show and it rates really well or a not-so-good show and it rates... Swings really and roundabouts, well isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I, I, I'm not too happy with the rating system because I don't know if you've ever seen it. I mean, there's about 4,000 people with a box. Have you ever met anyone with a box? Yes. You have? I know. A friend of mine's got one. Well, tell them <laughs> to put ITV on from half nine to half one. Yeah. Then they get vouchers. Yes. You really know someone? Yes, I absolutely know somebody, yes. Well, I because I'd, I'd never well. heard of it before and I said, what is it? He said, it's for the ratings. I said, because I also query how they do radio ratings, whereas ours, I think, was worked on a diary system, or then ticking off, and it only worked on a few people. So yours works on 4,000 people's. Yeah, and it, it breaks it down region by region. Yeah. And one day, in the Borders region, I don't know how many people live there, <laughs> you get no viewers. Right. No percent. The next day, you get 85% of people in that area watching. Which means there's probably one box there. And it or, means well, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll either turn it on or they'll turn it <laughs> and off. And they make you or break yes. you. <laughs> but I think exactly the same, because each each box is said to be worth so many thousand people, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's how they everybody I know listens to you on LBC, watches yeah. This Morning, yeah. and watches Loose Women. I, I live in Twickenham. I must know 30 people just in Twickenham who listen on a regular basis. They'll say, oh, yesterday, they said, oh, I think you should be going up to the stadium to go and get your pies. And they think, but I'm, there are too many people out there. I know that our share at this time of the morning is phenomenal. We actually have the share in London, I think, out of all the radio stations here. And we've, and we've got all the big ones in this building. So that's actually quite nice. And all the people I know watch this morning because they'll come back to me and say, watch this, or they'll catch loose women most days. And so it's, and you think to yourself, and then you look at the figures and you think, but they should be even higher. I mean, they're, they're, they're good, but they should be even better. Well, I think, I, w I would say four million people watch this morning and lose women every day. Yeah. And the ratings say between kind of 1.4 and 1.6 million. Yeah. Which is agree. a lot of people, which I try and explain it to somebody. When, when I spoke to somebody who, who did a television show and they'd been in theatre all their life and I said, but you, you can do theatre and play to, you know, 800 people. I said, you go on television, you've got two million watching. Or if you've got a real good programme on a Saturday night, there can be 10 million people watching. I'm not surprised on the X Factor. People want to go to plug albums and things like that. It's well worth it. Carol McGiffin's just sent a text. My phone is on silent. Oh, is she? Do you want me to read it to you? Is it, is it, is it rude? Unedited. Unedited. Oh, here we go. Um... Oh, my fave... Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'll edit it. Edit it. <laughs> oh, my two favourite queens together at 6am. What the... Are you doing? Too funny. 
You see, she's up. You know why she's, she's up? up? She's in makeup. <laughs> She'll be. <laughs> She'll be starting early. She's in makeup or she's making it with Mark. She's, yeah, she's, Mark, Mark, turn the radio. You see, she listens every morning. She'll always, she'll either send a text here on a Sunday or whatever it was, go, heard you this morning, whatever. But where do you think the Lisa Min producers get their um, editorial ideas for, for 12 Thursday? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, um, so I can imagine today you're going to be talking about Jordan. It has yes. to be Jordan for the simple reason that the Mirror have said, after this, not breakdown in the jungle, but she walked out... They're now saying it's all falling apart a bit. The Jordan Empire is going. Well, absolutely. The Mirror is saying Jordan's boom and bust. And they say the Jungle Star 30 million empire is under threat as fans snub brand Katie. Um, so basically, what they're saying is, you know, because of her experience in the jungle, because the public perception of her has perhaps shifted, mm. that people are going to stop buying her £6.99 perfume and thinking <laughs> they're cool, <laughs> her children's books with spelling mistakes, <laughs> and what else is it? Oh, oh peddling in. Yeah, she does bedlinging bed too, yes. <laughs> Although, I have to tell you that my godchildren went to an event in Essex, I think it was Polo or something like that, and there was a queue a mile long to buy something from her because she wouldn't just do an autograph, you had to buy something from her stand. So, so for she, her to sign it. For her to sign it. So, in other words, you, if you buy something, she will sign it for you, but she won't just sign an autograph. It's all, it's all geared to making money. Yes, we know they found Jane Andrews. She was on the news. So, that's the, the, the murderous, incidentally. Just in case you were worried about going out and doing your Christmas shopping. <laughs> thinking there'd be some mad ex-woman around the corner. They found her, thank God. She was considering buying Jordan merchandise. <laughs> but the trouble is, Jordan's actually quite clever. I mean, in, in theory, she doesn't do anything apart from give her name. She doesn't write. She doesn't design. She doesn't make perfume. She just puts the name Jordan on it. But I think maybe it's tarnished. I mean, you, well, you're, you're actually better placed to know... Because you're within the industry. I mean, would you still put her on this morning? You would, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like a I shot. mean, whenever, you know, whenever Jordan comes on this morning, she's a really popular guest and the viewers love her. Yeah. And, you know, she's always very frank, very honest, very open. And, you know, from the two programmes I work on, she would probably come on this morning. I'm not so sure she'd come on Loose Women anymore. She, ha she has done Loose Women, hasn't she? She has, yes. Yes. But Miss McGiffin? Yes. <laughs> upset us somewhat and she's not been back since. <laughs> but the trouble is, I think you have to be honest. I think Carol... See, I, the reason I like Carol is because she's quite straight-laced. She'll, she'll tell it the way it is. You, and I, I think, as you know in this business, you meet so many people who go, oh, it's great to see you, you're really fantastic. You're thinking, I wish you'd go away. <laughs> I don't like you at all. <laughs> and so Jordan, I wouldn't talk to because it just, it just doesn't interest me. I understand the hype, and I understand the way it works, but I just get the feeling, it's like Jedward. I watch them, and you, you put them on with, with uh, Philip and Holly the other day, and I got the feeling that they weren't listening to anything that Philip and Holly were saying. They just went into their, into their bit, you know, and one talks and one doesn't talk, which we, we've established. They're, they're really, really nice boys. Yeah. You know, even when you meet them, you know, before they went on, they were just lovely. They were adorable. Yeah. Absolutely adorable. And Holly's very fond of them. I thought she might be, Because she, yes. obviously, she does the X Factor and, <laughs> you know, they're really, really good guys. But do you think they're actually going to make lots of money? Yes. Well, they're in the papers today, actually, um, in the sun. Yeah. And they're saying that they're going to get their own private jet to get to their PAs. They've got clubs do they know how much private jets mall. cost lou is probably paying <laughs> <laughs> and max clifford was in the papers yesterday saying if they had the right management and the right advice they could easily earn in excess of a million pounds each in a year in in a year yeah yeah yeah. 
And I think that's a direct solicit to say, call me, boys, and yes. I'll look after yes. you. <laughs> and Max would be very good at that kind of thing. If there's one thing Max can do, he, he can sell artists very well. He knows how to do it, and he would know how to... I mean, I, I, I myself can see, just, just from the pictures in the paper, exactly what they'd be like. The one thing I did miss, and I'm sorry I missed it, was Mariah Carey, who turned up on GMTV the other day. Two people have to help her onto the settee. She can't sit down by herself. She takes her own toilet roll, and they say she came with it with a big entourage, but she turned up on this morning, didn't she? Late. Well, yes. Um, she came... When did she come? She's, she's on on Thursday. She came last Monday. I'll tell you what... Because uh, I have to take a very quick break. Tell me the story of the other side of the news. OK. Because it's, it's quite interesting when you discover that, that there are obviously divas, but they appear to be American. Unless, of course, Carl's going to tell us that there are the divas like Carol McGiffin, you know, <laughs> demands this, you know. You know that. We'll, we'll only use, you know, sort of soft tissue paper, you know, for sort of blowing a nose and all that kind of stuff. OK, so very short break. More from Carl on the papers. Other side of the news. And don't forget, we're live on the LBC webcam. London's biggest conversation... 26 minutes to seven. Didn't take long, says Alex, for Matthew to bring us back down to our normal level. Oh. I'm afraid. Lord of the Dance yesterday. Out of 12 runners, you came sixth. Mm, well. It doesn't matter. You lost two pounds. £63.59. Mega Shaw. Move on. Mega Sue. <laughs> Mega Sue uh, was second for Alex. He lost two pounds. Mm. £7.54. So we're looking for a winner today. Otherwise, the, the mince pies remain in the cupboard. Mm. Kempton we're off to. 6.50. Feeling foxy. Are you? What? <laughs> Not for many a year. Not for <laughs> many a year. It's a, it's a long, closed avenue, let me tell you. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not like Moving you. on again. Yes, moving on again. Uh, Chepstow, the racing there, subject to an inspection. Oh. 7.30 this morning. Luckily, okay. I'm not going to Chepstow. No. Uh, they also go at Kempton, Lingfield and Weatherby. The 12.50 at Weatherby. Just for men. Just for men. Fantastic. This, mm. is your, this is your tip for, the, uh, for running past the post before everybody else. <laughs> limping, Not going to happen, is it? It's going to limp the post, past the if post. If it's lucky. All right. Well, yeah. as I say, the mince pies are in the cupboard. They, they are just awating you. Oh, you're a which, tease. I know. We a just need a winner. I know. What can I tell you? Talk tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you for that. Bye. It's Matthew Schofield. 25 to uh, 7. Uh, Carl Newton's with us in the studio. So we, we, we've now decided that... So, well, we didn't decide on Jordan. Do we think, yes, it is the decline of the Jordan empire, or do we think it's just a blip and she'll bring out another autobiography and she'll be back up again? Well, I think it's just a blip. And what I would also say is all the things that are saying that are not now selling were kind of shipped out of the shops kind of six months ago. Right. So I think the more end-of-lines kind of bargain-bucket things, yes. which they can't shift, and they're just putting that with the fact she's come out of with the jungle, one and one and making three. Right. She'll always sell. Well, I always thought she she'll would sell anyway. She'll reinvent herself. Do you reckon she'll get back with Peter Andre? Because you know that there are rumours in the business that the whole thing is a publicity stunt and come Christmas there'll be the big reunion under the tree and they'll sell the story of how they got back together again. I don't think so. No. I don't. I mean, Peter, you know, he's the showbiz correspondent on this morning. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's lovely. Jordan's lovely. But unless they're both amazing duplicitous liars, I can't see it happening. No, I no, can't no, see it no. happening either. Although I've, I've heard so many rumours from people saying that they've heard that they're, they're all getting ready to do it. And I'm thinking, but why would they? They've gone through a divorce. She's had a fling with a cage... Are we predicting a career for the cage fighter? Cross-dressing cage. <laughs> <laughs> He's the new weatherman on this morning. <laughs> Alex Reed in a dress on the South Bank. <laughs> now, that would now, be I'd interesting. You would do that. that. I would. You would. He would pay for that. <laughs> 
I quite like the idea. Actually, I'm surprised. No, I bet somebody would be approaching him going, listen, Carl Newton said, if you want to be on this morning, he'll give you 50 quid if you do the weather. <laughs> In a dress. In a dress. <laughs> do you know, I think he might. I think he might. It'd be interesting because now, I wonder how she's going to turn against him because having, having kicked him off out of her life live on television, a bit embarrassing. If you're going to dump somebody, you normally do it privately. You pick up a phone and go, listen, I think it's not working. I want to be by myself. But to do it publicly is a little bit more embarrassing. I don't know. Perhaps we'll have to ask McGiffin about that one. <laughs> <laughs> what do you reckon, McGiff? That could be an interesting one. OK, so Jordan's in the paper. What else have we got from the papers today? Well, Christmas crackers. Love Christmas crackers. Coming up to Christmas. You might not love them this year, Steve, because manufacturers are removing naff Christmas crackers jerks. Now, for me, that's part of a Christmas cracker. It's part of Christmas. How right. do you feel about that? Um, I, 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 I do like nice crackers. <laughs> I do like... Pulling a nice cracker. I do like pulling. I have to be honest, I, I, bought great cra- I bought crackers this year for the producer. I bought... Uh, I like Tom Smith's. I like crackers that look nice. I don't like cheap-looking crackers. No, no, no. And I like to see what the presents are inside them. Before you buy them. Yeah, and most of the crackers that I bought, on the back it's got a picture of key ring, most of it in silver or something like that. And I quite like that. I don't like getting a little plastic thing you've got to assemble. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few disasters over the years with things like that. And I, I don't want anything that has to be put together or glued. So I like something that you can sort of clip on your belt. You know, I've had tape measures and stuff like that. Why you'd want a tape measure on your belt, I've got no idea. <laughs> but I, I always think handy to have one, ladies and gentlemen. Well, what, what is out is what lies in the pram and wobbles... What lies in a pram and wobbles? A jelly baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> your Christmas in your house, must be. <laughs> it's a laugh a minute in Leeds. It's all we've got in Leeds. <laughs> oh, look, what lies in a pram and wobbles? You can keep that going for ten minutes in Leeds. <laughs> ten minutes, the whole of Christmas. <laughs> Do you all put the hats on? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and do you have presents around the tree? Or do you have, it's like a stocking at the end of the bed or something like that? No, around the tree. Around the around tree. Around the tree. And do you all sit there waiting and mum will hand out a present or dad will hand out a present? Or do you all, is it a dive-in? No, we let the children open their presents first. Right. I've got two nieces, so they open their presents. Right. And then we open ours. And then they'll be like... Two for Carl under the tree, so you have to, you have to eke them out of it. Because the older you get, the less presents you get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's really depressing. I discovered years ago, all our fat. We had about three of our family come together, and the tree was absolutely you couldn't move for presents. And all I got was two, and there were hundreds of these blooming things. And I sat there and go, "Oh look, we found a present for you, Steve." And I go, "I'll save it for later." <laughs> Don't want to embarrass yourself over Christmas. <laughs> Right, so Christmas cracker jokes, I don't know. I mean, for Leeds people, I think it's it's absolutely necessary. I'll be devastated. <laughs> that, I'll tell you, people will be throwing themselves out of windows in Leeds. <laughs> we want the Christmas cracker jokes. But I, I do like Christmas crackers. They're very expensive, but I do like them. The ones in Habitat are 45 quid a box. Wow. But they're But they're beautiful. I mean, if you saw them, you'd go, wow, they are really nice. Well, they, they do... Habitat also do an advent calendar. And I... I think it is about £60. But if you like what's inside the crackers and you want a, your standard cracker as an advent calendar, <laughs> I'll get that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, the advent calendar. And when you open the window, you get, instead of kind of cheap chocolate, you get like a jewel or a key oh, ring. Right. Or, but it's, I think it's about 60 quid. Right. 
You see, I, I like advent calendars, but I, I like the cardboard ones where you've got to sort of open the little window. I haven't had one for years. But this weekend, because the 1st of December's looming, is the busiest time in the shops for advent calendar sales. Right, so people Did are buying Did you know that? that? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not surprised you knew. <laughs> he's from Leeds. <laughs> it's a bit like he's from Barcelona. <laughs> he's from Leeds. So when, 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 when do you put the tree up on the, on the sets? Um, our... So this morning, Christmas starts on the seventh of December. Right, and so, so do that's you have, when we put our Christmas trees up. And do you have a company that come in and and do it, or do you decorate? No, we, we've got our own set designer, Clara. So she basically does all the different areas and dresses them accordingly. Right. So she will transform the studio into a Christmas grotto. Wow. And then we have a little Christmas grotto as well, which we kind of make outside in the car park. And we have a tree outside and choirs come and sing and oh, it's very festive and it's very nice, pretty. isn't it? Lovely. I do like festive Christmas. I especially like it if it snows. Because last year we got snow. We didn't get the snow till February. And outside here, it looked like a winter wonderland. Mm. I mean, it was just deserted, even at this time of the morning, when, when normally it's actually fairly, uh, fairly busy. OK, what else in the papers today? Well... The mo- most British people prefer to hear the Queen's English rather than regional accents oh. when they ring a call centre, a poll has found. I always ask them where they are. <laughs> yeah. I say where to, are you? I always say, where are you? <laughs> and they either say, uh, I'm in India or in Mumbai or I found... And they're not speaking the Queen's English there, are they? They're Very not. regional accent. Very regional. It says more than half favoured RP um, with the Scottish accent in second <laughs> and the Newcastle accent in third... Yorkshire and Welsh were next in the research by YouGov. Liverpool and Birmingham accents were the least desired oh. for call centres. But there's a, I used to work in a call centre and there's a lot of call centres in Yorkshire yeah. and Newcastle because the accent's friendly. Right. But I, if I ever listen to myself, I think I sound gormless. <laughs> camp and thick. Maybe I am. <laughs> Maybe I am. <laughs> and I used to go... <laughs> Good morning, Green Flag National Breakdown. You're speaking to Carl. How can I help you? Oh, is that what you I mean, do? that's not friendly, is it? No. In, in, in the recovery centre. Yeah, see, I actually like that. I, I, I sort of like, I like people who sort of say, hello, my name's Julietta, how can I help you? <laughs> and you think, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I get a bit thrown by it, because you don't get that in London. You don't walk into a shop, unless you go to TGI Fridays, where they go, hello, I'm, I'm Mary, <laughs> I'm going to be your waitress for the day. <laughs> and you think, oh, lucky old us. <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm, I'm never too sure about call centres. All I hope is, at the end of the day, they're following a script, and they smile, and they're nice to me, and I end up with the, with the end result. Best ladies, Lakeside. Lakeside. We've, everybody has decided that Lakeside are the best people to deal with on the telephone. That's only because you're ordering stuff for Christmas, like we do. Short break. Back with more in a moment. I want my DFS sofa. Seven point three. Steve Allen. I forgot to say earlier on, I'm now getting into trouble because we didn't tell you the Mariah Carey story. The Mariah Carey story was that she, she did this morning with Philip, didn't she? She did, yeah. And she was late. She was late. Was she a diva? Well, I mean, it depends how you describe diva, doesn't it? Because all right, difficult. <laughs> I don't <laughs> know. I don't, difficult. Know what, I don't know what the definition of diva is. Apart well, from well, I think diva. You know, if you're kind of world famous, yeah. If you're kind of ultimately glamorous, if you're kind of a massive performer, that's a diva, isn't it? Right. Well, no, but I think, see, I think Elizabeth Taylor's a diva because of the behaviour. And the behaviour would be for a diva, she is late. So if she was booked to appear at 10, she might turn up at 11. Naomi Campbell might not turn up at all. 
and and would be rude. And you think, no, there's no re- need to be rude to somebody. Well, Mar- um, Mariah was on this morning. She's on this morning on Thursday. And, you know, she was late, but she'd just come from GMTV and she had to change. But she was right. late. <laughs> and, I, I mean, I, from what I saw, and I was with her from the point she arrived to the point she left, thought she was... Lovely. Yeah. And she's in a much happier place now because she's got her partner and they all seem very happy. There was only one one little thing and I thought, ooh, careful, love. Right. And that was a hairdresser was combing her hair just before a performance and he just caught her forehead with one of the spikes in the brush and she went, ow! And then everyone looked and she went, ah! So I thought, oh. <laughs> She's reformed. Don't, don't mess with but, the hair. How strange. No, I, I mean, I thought she was lovely. Yeah. And, you know... Do they get paid a fee boy. for things like that? Do they get paid money? Yes. No, no. I mean, no, she, I mean how much could you pay Mariah? I don't know. I, I well, don't you know. couldn't. And she, I mean, she comes on because she wants to kind of promote her album, promote her new single. Right. So, no, no. Because there must be guests that you would pay to come on. If there was somebody you really wanted, and they said, well, I'm not coming on unless I get paid. For example, if, if say, uh, Alex Reed said, well, yes, I'll come on there, and you're only offering £50. <laughs> and he's <laughs> no, got to wear the dress. It's the not going to happen. celebrity guests who come on this morning don't get paid, because right. invariably they've got something they want to promote. If, if you're using someone as a presenter, a reporter, a reviewer, etc., etc., they yeah. get paid. Right. Um, but celebrities don't get paid. Unless you do oh, the Liz Women DVD. Yes. <laughs> Rush Kelly. Which... Will Meller. <laughs> oh, Will Meller as 200 well. 200 quid a piece. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's how most of these people make their living, because I tend to turn on the television in the daytime, and you'll see, say, for example, this week, I've seen Carol Malone, who's done the right stuff, then I flip over to Alan Titchmarsh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and there's Carol Malone again. And you think... Why do they... It's just the same people doing the circuits. Well, people keep asking you, Steve. Yeah, but I, I'm not interested. I've, I've said this to you before, and I've said to loads of other people, when they've said, oh, would you do this? i said, it's not for me. I'm not that kind of person. I've had a little go at it. I don't want to do it again, thank you. But I know people desperate to do it. Desperate. You know what? You must get people all the time writing, saying, oh, I could do this, I could do that. Because that because television, they actually see as, I don't know, perhaps more, more glamorous than radio. Whereas radio, it's, it's much easier. You just sit here and chat. Whereas television, you've got somebody to do your makeup, or you're sweating, do you look good, you look fat, do you look thin. And for your kind of five minutes lot, it takes about four hours of your day. That's right. Whereas you could do two shows in four hours. Absolutely. <laughs> and do. <laughs> <laughs> and do. So what else did you find in the papers? Um, in the mirror, um, there's a there's basically a town hall in Sydney, and there's a couple pictured romping in the clock tower. Romping. Romping, which um, yes. amused onlookers. So basically, <laughs> they got into the clock tower, stripped off, everybody downstairs is looking up, and then they performed an act. Good Lord. Oh, that, were they doing it for a movie or something? <laughs> no, no, just for fun. They, they wanted to have sex in an unusual place, and they thought that they deemed that to be the most unusual place. And luckily, somebody was there to capture it on camera and put it in the <laughs> newspapers. It does amaze me you get these things out. It's like people sort of joining the Mile High Club and stuff like that. To be honest with you, I'm way past that. I just want to go to sleep on an aeroplane. <laughs> I can't think of anything... I just want to go to sleep in my bedroom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can't think of anything worse. It's dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at uh, Oh, Sherry is a lovely-looking lady, says Brian in Hampton Hill. Pass that on to Carl. 
Sherry Youssef. Yes. She's gorgeous. She's had surgery, hasn't she? Um, she's not had invasive surgery. Um, but she what, did Wait ten... a bit, what's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> she's had surgery, she but did, not... She did ten years younger. Right. And on ten years younger, she had an acid peel. In fact, no, she has, because she had her eye... How do you lift... I don't know how they lift their eyes. Maybe it is invasive, but she had her eyes done. Right. And Botox for ten years younger. And she looked ten years younger. Right. So she hasn't had actually cuts and stitchings and everything else? I will pull back her hair, look behind her (laughs) ear and text you, but as far as I know, not. (laughs) Do let me know, actually. (laughs) Uh, Louise in Bushy was was waiting for the Mariah Carey story. And uh, and Lynn says, you found another giggler as a guest. What a tonic. (laughs) (laughs) They like gigglers in the morning. Because nobody, you know, most people are so depressed first thing in the morning. He's not properly awake, I have to tell you. It's it's a wee bit early for him. (laughs) And we gave him one cup of coffee, and then the machine broke, which was a bit of a, sh- <laughs> bit of a shame. But we did our best. We did our best. Uh, somebody said the definition of a diva, proper little madam. Proper little madam. Proper little madam. But some people are allowed to get away with it. I mean, I suppose to a certain extent, Jordan could be a diva. Mm. You know, if, if you sort of chose to see her like that, then, then she could be a diva. Uh, Christmas, do you send Christmas cards? No, 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 no. Oh, really? You, one minute you're into Christmas and you like the Christmas crackers, but you're not sending cards. No, I don't. I, I've never sent Christmas cards. Does this morning send cards? Um, I've only been there since September. <laughs> no idea. With no. <laughs> I'm sure they, they do. All... I'm sure, I'm sure there's a, a Christmas card with the lovely Phil and Holly on the front. Yeah. And it goes out to all the agents and celebrities. I'm they just sure. say thank you for listening and thank you for helping us and all that stuff. And this thank kind of you stuff. for watching, yeah. Right. Is there a loose women Christmas card? Because you've been there long. We can't afford one. <laughs> <laughs> you've got you've got so many presenters though. I know, I know. The money only goes so far. That's the money true. only goes so far. There's eleven. Just move yourself pre- a little bit. That's there's it. eleven presenters. Eleven. Eleven presenters. Yeah. And do they do they do, do you work them on we've a rotation? Up, we've been going for ten years. Ten years. Yeah. And only last week did we release individual pictures of the women. You know, if people email in, yes, want a signed a picture. picture. Only last week did that happen. Because you've not had the money up until now. Because there's no money, or we couldn't find a photographer, or no one had photographed them. We've just all, the whole company here have just all been photographed. Every single presenter in every radio station at Global Home, we've all just had the, uh, the photos done. Because years ago, you would have a photo done, and you would send it out or sign it. Now, they do it as, we, we can send it out as an email. On email. And which is much easier, but you're right, it costs a fortune to do a photo session. You've got to and take And there's 11 in. people. Yeah. And you think you're increasing that this year or, or, or next year? Would you look for more people? You know, Loose Women's constantly evolving and we're always looking for new people. We found Rachel Agnew this year. Yeah. Um, and she was she's given a contract. Well. So yeah. now she's getting paid to do it, which is great. Um, Lisa Snowden's joining the panel, which is an exclusive. Yes. Oh, is it? Well, yeah. because she's in this building. Oh, is she? Oh, absolutely. Oh, she'll I be didn't up know with. That. Oh, yes, yeah, she'll be up with, with Johnny. She's coming. Her first show is tomorrow afternoon. Afternoon, which Tomorrow. is pre-recorded, so her right. first show will be Friday. So how, how many are pre-recorded news. out of the the week? Um, Monday, you... Tuesday, and Thursday's live, right. and Friday and Wednesday's pre-recorded. Right, which you have to do because of cost, cost, and yeah. things like that. So we right. do two in one studio day because if you hire a studio, you pay for it for the whole day. Right, so it makes more sense to do two shows. See, and that's how they all work. They do the same for Paul O'Grady, who's only got nineteen more shows left. He was telling me the other day, uh, and then he moves. Because he's in the next studio to us. <laughs> And it's really funny because his office is next to our production office and there's dogs everywhere. (laughs) I can well imagine. (laughs) Right, the Loose Women uh, DVD out now, late night with them. Carl, thank you.
Thank very you, much. Steve. It's a pleasure. Have a very nice Christmas, and we'll see you probably just after Christmas. Thank you. Look forward to it. Listen, coming up very shortly, Nick Ferrari and guests will be with you after the news at uh, seven. And don't forget that uh, if you go to lbc.co.uk, you can download the podcast, and the camera goes off in about two minutes. So uh, we've been live on lbc.co.uk. You can have a check, and thank you all for your uh, texts and emails this morning. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Check out the blog and check out everything else on the website. Have a nice day. Nick's with you after the news, which is next, 97.3. My grandson.